What's up, everybody? What's going on? Welcome to Gen Orange. Uh, I am muted, aren't I? Pretty sure I am. Uh, hopefully that is not muted anymore. Uh, guys, what is up? Uh, Gen Orange on a Wednesday, uh, which is interesting enough as it is, but hey, we sometimes have to juggle around schedules, which is totally cool. Uh, next week will be Thursday. Uh, I can confirm that. <laughs> We've made sure of that. Uh, unless I get sent off for a response, which always can happen at the last minute. Um, yeah. Uh, man. Uh, so no playoffs. <laughs> uh, Mark, how are you feeling, sir? What's going on, Sean? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, hump day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, man, no playoffs, but, you know, we already knew that. So we can carry on and move forward and look ahead. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, it was a bit of a rough one uh, this past weekend. Um, or I guess, yeah, this past weekend. Feels like it's been longer than that. Uh, watching the Dynamo and uh, just, unfortunately watching them play similar to kind of how they've played all season. Uh, you know, they had plenty of opportunities. They surrendered some goals that they just should have never surrendered. Um, and it, you know, officially knocked them out of the playoffs and knocked us out of the playoffs. And so now we're kind of, uh, you know, we're kind of back to, to where we are, um, to, <laughs> to say the least, uh, you know, Go ahead, Mark. No, no, you know it's 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 crazy because even though I think we got knocked out once we lost to LAFC, and um, we still want to watch these guys play. We still want to watch these guys improve. We still want to watch these guys battle for for the for the crest for the shirt that they wear. Mainly because myself personally, I want to see who really wants to be here next year because next year is going to be a lot different, I hope. Uh, different coach, different managers, ho hopefully a whole new batch of new players, and a, and a whole different attitude. So this is the beginning. I mean, at least that's the hope, right? Is uh, you get a new coach in, uh, a coach with, uh, you know, with a with a known streak of of a developing players, a coach with a known streak of being able to impart discipline upon players, and. And, you know, you combine all that and, and your hope is you've constructed a good enough roster to compete and, and uh, you know, take it to the promised land of MLS Cup. Uh, at the very least, the promised land of playoffs at this point would be great uh, next year. But, you know, hey, we'll, we'll dive into the, the coaching discussion a little bit later. Uh, I wanted to kind of run down uh, some of the topics we're going to cover today so that those who are in the Discord chat, first of all, what's up, Discord chat? Uh, second of all, they can uh, add in any um, add in any any thoughts that they have around these particular uh, subjects. Uh, I see Darby in the waiting room, and I'm very tempted to pull her in because I know their time tonight is limited. Uh, but Darby, if you're able to listen, I will send me a message. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Didn't think she meant to be in that room. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so, I just want to review the game from Sunday real quick. Um, 
it started off bad right off the right off the bat. You know, they scored in the first two minutes, and you know, I know Saran had made a mistake right there, and then um, I think it was Baird from uh, scored the goal. Yeah. But then after that, but then after that, I mean, like life came into them, and they they held possession. They they had advantage in possession. They held the advantage in shots on goal. They had opportunities, opportunities on top of opportunities on top of opportunities. And like we've seen through the whole season, it seems like they don't take advantage of these opportunities and they're not they're not putting the, the ball on the back of the net. And that's what, at the end, killed them. Yeah, absolutely 100%. So real quick, the topics we're going to cover, we're going to talk about uh, the match uh, coming up on Sunday, RSL versus Houston. Um, we're going to talk about I'm sorry, that is, we're going to review the match that from this past Sunday. Man, it's been a long week. That's only Wednesday. It's the best yeah. part. Uh, review the match from Sunday, RSL versus Houston. We're going to talk about uh, DeMarcus Beasley's last match on Sunday, coming up this Sunday. Uh, some information tied to that. We're going to talk about Zlatan, uh, because you can't have LA Galaxy come into town, and you can't not talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, and... Uh, one of the things I want to talk about tied to that is basically how do you, as the Dynamo, what do you do and how do you approach stopping Zlatan? Because uh, I feel like as far as LA Galaxy is concerned, if you stop Zlatan, you kind of stop most of their attack. Uh, I also want to talk about something that I had confirmed earlier this week, but I already kind of knew, but getting it confirmed definitely made it more kind of an official thing. And I had brought up before, uh, which is under Wilmer Cabrera, um, the locker room and, and kind of player access uh, in terms of interviews and things like that uh, were basically locked down. Um, they, they didn't allow media real, any real access to the players or to uh, technical staff or uh, otherwise. Uh, and that was kind of a Wilmer thing. And I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about the implications of opening that up. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, coaching. Um, you know, I, you and I have been talking I saw on Facebook, uh, you know, Glenn uh, Davis mentioned uh, that Diego Alonso is now available uh, and want to want to talk about uh, the possibility of getting him, what that would mean, uh, and then uh, dive in a little deeper to who we would pick, uh, given the opportunity uh, to pick our coach. And, and obviously, within reason, I think needs to be prefaced there. Uh, and then we're going to open it up for kind of the last 30 minutes of the show from about 820 to 850. Uh, for your questions, your thoughts, uh, you being the fans, our listeners. Um, we know some of you guys are out at the DMB retirement party tonight, uh, and all the more power to you, but if you're there, feel free to hop in uh, voice chat and tell us how it is, tell us what it's like. Uh, wish I could be there. <laughs> kind of one of those things that just wasn't going to work out. Uh, and then, you know, well, that's that's kind of the show today is is all those topics and We'll probably get to some more stuff, but that's at least the plan on topics. Uh, so, Mark, uh, you had already started talking a bit about um, the RSL versus Houston match and kind of how we started. And and uh, uh, I want to let you dive a little deeper into it um, and, and kind of yeah, give, so give your your thoughts on the whole match. So, I mean, you know, from the beginning, like I said earlier, I mean, you know, it start, started off rough giving away that early goal in the first minute or two. Um, but then afterwards, I mean, after the, after the fifth minute, after they kind of settled down and up until halftime, I mean, they took control of the game. They had, they were in RSL's side of the field for, 
I want to say maybe 30 of the 30 of the 40 minutes that were left in that first half. And they kept, they kept control of the ball. They had shots on goal. They had opportunities. They had set pieces. They had corner kicks. And yet, no goals. No goals. No ball in the back of the net. And that's basically been the whole season in a nutshell. I mean, these guys, they create opportunities, and they can't seem to make make the opportunity worthwhile. They should have been up by three goals. I mean, they had two offside calls, you know, out in the game, but they had opportunities. This game should have been won easily, in my opinion, by then. I don't know about easily. I, I think we have to give RSL some credit. Uh, they have some fantastic players. Rushnak is one of them. Uh, the way that guy plays is just absurd at times. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought the Dynamo did a pretty good job with him uh, for the most part defensively. But, uh, you know, he's always going to get his. He's one of those players that is just he, – he quietly goes under the radar, in my opinion, for a lot of – a lot of you know <laughs> stars in the league, if you will. Um, but I think he's good enough to compete on the level of some of the best players in the league. Um, For sure. But yeah, I, I feel kind of like you do in general. I mean, it was it was they RSL scored their goal, and then the Dynamo kind of woke up, and we were playing our match for. The longest I think I've seen us play our match on the road after you know the first five or six total matches of the season, um, I felt like that was it was the Dynamo tactically and strategically that we've been asking for all season. Um, you know, go out and play your way. Don't worry about how the other team plays, uh, but you know, go out and and just just press. You know, press and and. You know, make them fearful of you uh, and your attack. And I felt like we did that. And I felt like we created a boat ton of chances in that, you know, like you said, about 30 minutes or so leading into halftime where we were, without a doubt, the better of the two teams heading into halftime. And I even felt coming out of halftime, we were decent um, and, and still putting our, you know, pushing, pushing forward to get that get that extra goal. But I think we just gave up. You know, we pushed so hard that we opened ourselves up to the counterattack even more. Uh, and I felt like RSL really took advantage of that and, and the foul that led to, uh, you know, led into free kicks and things like that, or fouls that led into free kicks and things like that, I think uh, ultimately spelled kind of the demise of the team. And if you think about it, I mean, you hit, Tomas hits the goal and I think the 30th minute or something like that. And uh, it's 1-1. I think they really had that attitude of, you know what, we're not making the playoffs. Let's play spoilers. These guys are going to, they're fighting for positioning. Yeah. And that's what they did. They, they went to RSL and they played their game. They had control for that first half, you know, and, and for the beginning of the second half. And I think it just, like I said, like I said in the past show, there's that little bit of moment in time, like those 10 to 15 minutes where they just, let everything go and everything unravels. Yep. And um, and and, and again, I mean, it's it, I don't know if it's discipline, I don't know if it's uh, fatigue, I don't know if it's a uh, uh, lack of interest. Um, I, honestly, I, I kind of question the subs, the substitutions, on 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 Davies' part. Um, I didn't like the fact that you know he took out Mauro and put and put in Ramirez. I think he should have taken out other uh, uh, Tomas or or, or Mac, Mac in there and put Ramirez up again with Mauro together because we've seen that that combination has worked and it's really sparked 
the team as of late since his arrival. And um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Like I said, you see those glimpses because I mean, this team has talent. There's no denying that. It's a, it's, a ta- it's a talented group of guys. It's just it's just there's no. I don't want to say there's no true leadership because I think Davies is doing the best that he can given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is like there's no it, it seems like there's no direction. Like once things start to not go their way for a certain while, they seem to just get fed up and just say, eh, screw it, whatever. You know, we're not we're not doing anything in this year anyway. <laughs> so, um, and it's and it's and it's and it's a little bit you know disappointing because like I said. Before halftime, they, they could have been up three, three to one, you know, maybe even more. You know, that's 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 what I meant when I said um that, that it seemed like they should have won this game easily the way they were playing offensively in the first half because they had plenty of scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. But um, but sometimes the ball doesn't roll your way, and that's what's happening right now in this whole season. It seems like so. Yeah, I mean. It, it's it's frustrating because ultimately what this team has struggled with is the same stuff that it feels like we've struggled with probably for the last two or three seasons. And, and it feels like, you know, as a fan, it feels like the spinning of tires almost. Like, we throw out a bunch of different ideas, you know, even from a tactical standpoint, you know, coach throws out a bunch of different ideas technical staff throw out a bunch of different ideas. We bring in different players. We switch uh, formations. You know, we do all these different things, and yet the kind of the game still has kind of the same ebb and flow for the most part. I mean, there there are times where we'll kind of take control and go from there, but I think I think we see kind of the identity of this of this team. Unfortunately, right now is a team that's you know eventually we're going to give up a goal, and if we don't have a lead, we're going to chase the game. And that'll put us in position to potentially, you know, level the match. But once we score that goal, after a certain period of time, our players are going sit, to start sitting further and are deeper and deeper, especially on the road. Um, and I and think I, what we're witnessing. Go ahead. I think what we're witnessing is basically the ceiling of this group. We're at the ceiling. Like this, this shows this 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 showcase has to show the front office, like, hey, this is as much as this team can go. I, presently equipped I'm I'm holding myself yeah keep going so it's one of those things where you know I want to say that I mean there's gonna there's gonna be a few players that don't come back next year you know we we all know that right oh yeah um so given the given the fact that you know you're gonna keep you know a certain amount of players this is the this is the ceiling for this group now as a GM, Matt Jordan, the owners, and all that, st- and all those people who make those decisions of what kind of players they need to bring in, and you know all that other stuff. They need to see who they're going to keep, and what player they can bring in to step up that level of competition for the team that's, that, that that for the players that are staying, and who's going to raise the level. Because as we can see, you know we we always talk about MLS 1.0, MLS 2.0. MLS 3.0, all that stuff, you know, and for a second and for a while there, we were stuck at 1.0 where everybody's up at 3.0, right? Yep. And um, and now, I mean, we've brought in some for, some players and we brought some good, some real good players. I believe my, I, I believe I, if I, I do say so myself. And um, and now it's just having that 
next batch of players that are going to take those players up to the next level, who are going to make them work harder, you know, who are going to make them want it more. Because it's, it's one of those things where you have you have self-motivation, but then when you see somebody else go out there and, and, and go out there and get it, a la Slatan with LA Galaxy, it motivates other players like, hey, if this guy's giving his all, man, let me, let me go. This is the guy I want to go be on the pitch with. This is the guy I want to go run through a wall for, you know? Yeah. So. I, I don't. So I, I disagree with. I mean, I okay. I agree with the notion that, that as far as this club is currently constructed, that's it for, for kind of the this construction, as you will. But um, I, I, I think that this team has suffered from a few different things. Number one, and I, I've mentioned this a few episodes prior um, on the other show where, you know, from what I understood from multiple sources and getting it confirmed from multiple sources, Wilmer Cabrera, as far as a coach, he was very, he was very demanding in a way that players don't typically respond to, whether it's a, a elite top level player or a player that is just starting out. Um, the way he coached, the way he mentored players was more like a guy who believed he knew everything there was to know when it came to the game and wanted you to figure it out as you went along, but was going to give you direction and was going to give you instructions as to how to do that, but in a way that wasn't conducive to your growth. Um, a perfect example to that, and, and I want to bring this up because I think it's important in talking about the Dynamo is currently constructed. Um, you know, Memo's first match with the Dynamo, uh, he came on as a sub, and, and Wilmer sent him onto the pitch, and, and his exact phrase when he was sent on the pitch was, okay, go out there and run. It wasn't go out there and, you know, go, go out there and, and pa you know, do what I've told you to do. Go out there and be creative. Ball, go out there and be creative. It, it, what, you know, I say he gave him, you know, he, get, he gives direction and guidance, but I kind of feel like that's not even direction and guidance. That's, hey, just go out there and run. Like, that's not conducive to a young player's growth or even mentality. You know, it, it just really is confusing. Um, so let me ask you a question since you brought that up real quick. Sure. How how do you, do you think that that has stunned Albert Elise's growth per se? Because he's the player that we all focus on, right? And when he came when he came into the Dynamo at first, you know, he was exciting, this young player, exciting, hungry, uh, ready to go, right? Mm -hmm. And then you know, the beginning of of last year for the first half, he was dominating. You know, some people, you know, I would hear on ML, on FS1 or I would hear on ESPN or whatever MLS related shows. That you know he's up there with one of the best winger as one of the best wingers in, in MLS, right? Yeah. When he when he's on. Yeah. But but you saying you know Wilmer not having really teaching these players or giving them direction and or or helping them in their development. Do you think that stunt Albert Lelis's growth like to where? Because I mean honestly, like I I haven't seen Albert go to the next level from from last year to this year. No, I, I think you're. I, I think you've figured it out. You, you've kind of unlocked the key to why. When I started hearing these things a little bit, you know, when I started hearing these things getting confirmed, um, it was at that point that it all started to come into focus. Why have players not made it from RGV into the Dynamo roster? Why do players that make it from RGV to the Dynamo roster struggle so much to fit into the into the team? Uh, why do players seem to look lost on the pitch? 
Um, you know, no matter when they're brought into the onto the pitch, whether it's a starter or you know or a substitute, um, you know, why have players you know potential has been so high? They've come in with hype even from outside of Dynamo uh, fans and outside of Dynamo media. The players have come in with plenty of hype and they've been lauded as you know the future of MLS. And then they get to the Dynamo and it's like they've completely lost understanding of how to play the game at the most basic levels at times. Um, you know, the list goes on and on, but you've kind of figured out why I started to, as I took a step back and started to kind of think about that in particular, the, the kind of Wilmer not being a very good true coach. He's more of a, a manager, not a coach. Why that was such a big deal for this particular club, the way this club wants to go about things. You have to have a guy that's both a manager and a coach, but specifically a guy who can coach who can develop player talent. And I think in terms of Albert Elise, and I'm going to extend this to Romel Kyoto, because I think for as much of a hothead and for as much as a flake as that guy's become, I think if he had had a coach out of the gate that A, demanded discipline, and B, enforced it and taught him how to be the right type of player out of the out of the gate, I think it, we would be talking about a totally different Romel Kyoto. He showed the well, flashes that made him a fantastic player. Well, I mean, and, any, any, and, I, and I'll shoot this out to the guys on discord you know and, and they can we, we can chat about it on there but i honestly thought kyoto was a better player when he when he first came in from the now at least you know all the hype was around at least because you know where he's coming from 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 uh monterey from rayados and him being the uh on the national team already at such a young age but kyoto came out the gate blazing yeah he was I mean, he was shooting goals from outside the box he was uh free kicks outside the box making goals uh, he showed power. He showed uh, res- he showed um, a bunch of composure and a lot of skill. You know, and honestly, I was excited. I mean, I was like, "Wow, this guy lined up next to uh, well at the time Cool, and then you know Albert Lee's on the right with with all his speed and the way they were going off the bat." And I and I remember that uh, I can't remember what game it was, but um, it might I think it might have been uh, uh, against Seattle or somebody where Kubo finally scored his dynamo goal, whatever, and they were having a, a rampage of goals that game. But yeah, Kyoto was all over that place, was all over that game. And I was excited, man. That, that was, I was, I was presently surprised. Well, you know, I don't want to dwell on this too much because, yeah. you know, we can talk about that in kind of the last half hour of the show, but It's just, you know, it's always interesting to me to take a look at the situation the team finds themselves in, you know, looking at matches and and, in every time we look at a match, I always find myself going back to that point of, you know, as much as I think a lot of fans want to place so much pressure on the players to perform, I feel like there was not an accountability levied on um, levied on Wilmer specifically to to make sure that he was getting the most out of players that. (laughs) You know, it was more, okay, Wilmer's just the way he is, and we're going to just be okay with it. And I think that's where my frustration maybe with the organization comes from. But, hey, they've, they've remedied it, I feel like, and they're, they're approaching it. Um, you know, and, and that's not far away. We'll talk about, you know, the coaching situation and what, what's next for that. Uh, but I want to right now talk about what I feel like is probably at least – it is the one storyline out of this season minus Christian Ramirez – that to me is the biggest bright spot, the biggest spotlight that that 
at least put some shine on the Dynamo season. And that's this was uh, this is still technically we haven't ended the season yet, but this is Demarcus Beasley's last season. Um, he is retiring after Sunday's match. Uh, and there's going to be a pretty big on-field celebration for DeMarcus Beasley and all that he's meant to the Dynamo, all he's meant to, um, you know, U.S. soccer, all he's meant to MLS and the time that he's been in MLS, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, they're going to give out a captain's armband uh, for the first, I think, 7,000 fans or some number like that uh, through the gates. Uh, and they're pretty slick looking. I'm really, you know, kind of upset that I can't make this match due to work. Because uh, I would absolutely get one of those armbands without a doubt. Uh, Likewise. Uh, but, uh, you know, some other things. TA, ha uh, Texting Army, ha has been working on a TIFO uh, that they're going to unveil. Um, you know, I know that uh, there were some, some uh, kind of teasers put out there by both the official Dynamo account, by the uh, TA account. Uh, and some other people as well. Uh, and I can tell you, having been part of uh, that TIFO uh, construction process, even if Sergio is going to give me crap about me talking about this, but uh, because he'll say that I wasn't there and I didn't work, but that's not true. Pat, Pat, Pat can vouch for me. Um, uh, Pat says all fans get the, uh, get the captain's band. Uh, he'll try to grab a couple. You, you demand, Pat. Uh, but... Uh, uh, yeah, so I helped, what I did, uh, is help put grommets onto the TIFO, the, the TIFO, uh, to make sure that it stays where it's going to be. See, Pat, Pat's backing me up over there. Appreciate that, Pat. Uh, and, and <laughs> what was funny about that, I'm going to just, just because it's a great story, uh, Pat and I were basically tasked, okay, go, go get more grommets because we didn't have enough. I think we had like 12 to start with. We had like a pack of 12. Um, and... So we were like, okay, cool. We're going to go to Home Depot. They're going to have grommets. So we get to Home Depot, and they don't have the right size. And the one pack they have is like a, it's a kit, which includes the grommet hammer and, and thing. And, and, and it was a pack of 12, and it was like 7 bucks or something ridiculous. And so we were like, okay, well, where else has it? So he's looking on his phone. He goes, oh, Lowe's has it. So we're like, all right. So we, we head over to Lowe's. We get to Lowe's. And they don't have any either. They've got the exact same, like, one kit, no grommets of the right size. And at this point, we've already, like, wasted an hour and a half because we keep getting text messages from people saying, hey, pick this up too. Pick this up as well. Like, okay. Uh, and so, finally, we end up going to Hobby Lobby, which was, like, a 10 to 15. It was, like, a 15-minute drive, actually. A 15-minute drive um, from, from the location where the TIFO was being painted and worked on to that Hobby Lobby, but we'd already wasted like an hour and a half trying to find the freaking grommets, which we have to have to do what we needed to do. So we go to Hobby Lobby and uh, and get get the grommets and then head back, and we get back, and it's like three hours have passed at this point, just by the time everything was said and done. And we are now I guess two and a half, and, and we get back, and Sergio's just riding me like like nobody's business, man. He's just like... It was it was it was it was just hilarious. He's like, oh yeah, now you decide to show up now that most of the painting's already done, and I'm like, dude... I look, I was one of the few people that had a vehicle that was willing to drive to go find this stuff. And yeah, it took a while. It wasn't like we were just twiddling our thumbs. We literally spent 90% of that time walking around these different hardware stores trying to find the freaking uh, stuff we were looking for. And of course, the people are, you know, only so helpful in finding stuff. But anyways, so there's a TATFO. I know that was kind of stupid and long winded, but it made me chuckle to 
go through that. Uh, and yeah, it look you know I can tell you from having seen the nearly finished completed Tifo that it looks pretty darn good. Uh, and uh, it it, uh, it 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 is understated, but in a very positive way. I think a lot of people are gonna like it. Um, for being as kind of understated as it is. And, and I think, you know, some players you want a kind of busy TIFO that's got a lot going on. And I think this one, it, it's understated kind of almost in a way that Beasley himself is. Um, you know, he's not a showy, flashy kind of guy. He's got that in him, but, you know, he, he's kind of a guy that's going to go out there and he's going to, you know, he's going to put in the work and put in the effort, but he's not going to sit there and, um, you know, he's not going to sit there and, and uh, you know, applaud himself for being the best player in the world. So, uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on, on uh, DeMarcus Beasley and, and his career and, and his time with the Dynamo? And... No, I, th- I think it's great. I mean, you know, legendary career, obviously, you know, he's one of the few uh, American players before, you know, the whole Pulisic, the whole overboard right now that um, made it in Europe and uh, and other leagues around the, the world uh, kind of paved the way. And I think he's, he's the only uh, U.S. player to play in four World Cups, if, I, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, yep, yep, four World know, Cups. And, uh, yeah, and obviously we would love it to be under different circumstances where, you know, they're riding into the playoffs with, you know, and all this other stuff with a chance to win a, a cup for him, you know. But, you know, and thankfully, you know, we won something with him on our team last year with the U.S. Open Cup. And uh, one of those things, you know, as far as, you know, one of my memories of Beasley's career would be, you know, uh, during his time with the Dynamo, would be just, you know, a more recent one, you know, when we went back, we got back to the Champions League, you know, and they say it's tough to play in Central America because of the humidity, you know, the, 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 the conditions of the field. But... Beasley being that wily veteran who's played everywhere is just another game for him. Mm. He stepped up and he scored a goal. Yep. You know, and, um, and it's great. Um, like I said, I wish it was under different circumstances where he was leaving on a high note with us, but hopefully uh, this last game on Sunday would be one of the highlights of his career, you know, where he, he, he we show him his, our appreciation for his time here and for the career he he gave us throughout the 20 years he's been playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, that is probably one of the highlights, I think, of his time with the Dynamo was that goal uh, scored in uh, against Guastatoya. Um, you know, it was such a fantastic goal, and, you know, I felt like I'd been waiting for Beasley to, to break out and score a goal for two or three seasons, it felt like, and so seeing him score that goal, uh, it was just, I mean, it was electric after he scored that goal. And, um, you know, I think just when I look back at his time with the Dynamo, I I think I have to give him props because no matter what people may say about his time with the Dynamo and the way the Dynamo were run during his time here, he stuck with it. He didn't ask to be traded. He didn't demand to be traded. He didn't ask to be moved to another team. He just kind of dealt with it, and, and he dealt with it in a professional manner. He went about his business, you know, match in, match out. Um, and, and yeah, there were times that he got injured, but he never let it. He never let it affect. I feel like his play on the pitch. I feel like he's always played as hard as he can play. Um, and I, I don't 
you know, I, I, there are players out there, Kyoto being one of them, that, you know, that's not how they approach things. And it, it I, if there was one thing I wish we had gotten out of his time here, it's that he would have imparted that and, and, and you know, really um, shared that with that professional attitude and how to be a professional with the rest of the players on the team. And I don't know if that's his, you know, if it's on him for not kind of imparting that or passing that on uh, to the other players on the, on the team. I don't think it is. I really don't. I, DeMarcus seems like he'd be the type of guy that would be more than willing to share. Um, but I do have yeah. to wonder, uh, you know, I, I, I have to wonder maybe if there is some impact of coaching too. And, and uh, you know, it, if, if things are the way they are, and were the way they were, uh, does that impact, you know, Beasley and his time here as well? And, you know, maybe maybe put him in a position where he's not comfortable, you know, stepping up and saying, hey, guys, you need to chill out, you know, for whatever reason. You know, you need to you need to be more professional. You need to be more focused on, on you know, your play and less focused on off-the-pitch play. Um, well, you know, well, you know, the thing with uh, DeMarcus, to be honest, you know, um, He's always been a constant professional from everywhere. And I see when, when I watched him play in, in Puebla, uh, PSV, uh, he was with Man City before Man City was even cool, you know? Um, and he's always been a constant professional. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Chicago Fire, all the other stuff. And the thing is, I think as, as, as players come and go, you know, sometimes they forget that playing soccer is a privilege. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not given, you know, to, to everybody. Otherwise we all be out there uh, bringing in money, playing the game that we love. Right. But, and I think that never left DeMarcus's heart and head for, for, you know, and he knows that, and he knows that his, his time is coming to an end and he appreciates it more, which, you know, obviously going back again to what I said before, it's a shame that we couldn't, you know, have him go off in the sunset with a winning season. But uh, but but through thick and thin, you know, he's 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 been a constant professional since he's gone here in Houston. Because let's face it, he got here in Houston, and his time in Houston hasn't really been all that you know great as far as the club standpoint. As far as going, you know, I think we only had one winning season, which is 2017 when he was here, uh, and the and the Open Cup. But aside from that, he's always been there when he's available. He always goes out and gives his all. He's always playing hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. And uh, the, look, if that's, if that's what people say about your career is that you were always the consummate professional, you were always the guy that they could trust and count on to be the responsible player, both on and off the pitch. You were the guy that everybody could look to, to be the example of how to play the game right and how to go about your business. Right. Uh, and if the worst thing I have to say is that he didn't really get a chance to, you know, in my opinion, really impart upon current players how to be better professionals. You know, if that's the worst I got to say about the guy, then then he's doing plenty right. And it's not it's not a surprise his career lasted as long as it did, um, because he he is that guy that teams can count on when they bring him in to be that consummate professional, be the guy that's always going to go out there and give it his all, no matter what is happening within the organization, within coaching, within the technical staff. Uh, or otherwise, and I did. I did see a, a note from someone earlier um, that they they talked to Beasley at the the retirement thing this evening, and uh, and asked him, you know, kind of what his plans were um, after the season's over. And he said he wants to 
stick around Houston. I guess he likes the city, which is good. Uh, and he wants to get into the business side of things. So maybe that means that he's got, he'll find a position within the Dynamo organization or, you know, within the academies or, um, you know, maybe even with the Dash. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But uh, I, for one, have, have no problems uh, no matter where he lands within the Dynamo organization as long as it's where, he's la- where he lands because uh, I think that he does have a football IQ um, and he can be a mentor uh, if given the opportunity, I feel like, uh, you know, to certain players. Yeah, I would love him to be a part of the Dynamo organization after his playing time, especially in the academy because as a – the up and coming player, who else did you do you want do you want to have looking up to than a four time World Cup player, player who's played in England, uh uh on Mexico and all over the world, you know? Yeah. What else do you want? For sure. Well guys what, hey, what better example. Absolutely. Well hey, if you're uh if you're watching right now or listening right now, do us a favor. If you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already liked this stream or this video, go ahead and hit that like or like video uh, like button. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to share this out with your friends and family, uh, do us a favor. You don't have to do it right now, but definitely share it out after this is over. The light, the stream will still be up on YouTube uh, for everybody to hit and and uh, watch it after the fact and listen after the fact. Uh, and guys, hey, I know you've asked for this for a while. And I am working on and nearly done with getting us as a podcast format, uh, audio only set up on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, uh, and more. Um, I, I started the process earlier today uh, and I'm just waiting for approval from iTunes and Google Play Music. Uh, once we're approved, uh, every week I'll be uploading the audio as needed to, uh, to the, the Podbean website that I set up for us, which will be the podcast host. Uh, and, uh, and then that'll, uh, that'll upload into the various, uh, appear on the various other platforms, uh, where your, your favorite podcasts play, uh, which is kind of cool. Cause I know there's been a lot of people that have been asking for a long time to have an audio version of the, of the pod, uh, of the show that they can listen to during the week on their way to and from, uh, work and, and during work. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, I've, I've done the legwork guys uh and i hope you guys repay that in kind by a once again liking and (laughs) subscribing and sharing uh especially once we have the podcast uh set up the actual podcast set up uh so that um so that your friends and family can just subscribe to the podcast and get all the episodes as they go through their week uh that would be great yeah yeah guys like subscribe and share but um but now uh moving on to the other side of the pitch you know I know all the focus is going to be on Beasley, but there's a monster on the other side of the field that we have to go up against this Sunday. And by the name of you're right, Lata. man. That no, 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 no. That's not the monster on the pitch, dude. That that Bingham character for LA Galaxy, he's a tough nut to crack, man. Just just kidding. He is. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so Zlatan, man. What are your thoughts on Zlatan, dude? I mean, look, man. If 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 Messi and Ronaldo did, weren't never born, he'd be the best. He would be the best player in the last ten years, uh, and that's 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 really amazing to say, man. Because this guy, he's gone every league, every country, every field, and he's produced, and he does it here, but not with with ease. Thirty-seven years old, talks a whole bunch of mess, but the thing that I respect most about him is that he backs up whatever he talks his talk is never louder than his walk 
So, I mean, and his walk is pretty huge, so that's why he can talk as much uh, as he does. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know about his I walk, mean, his talk being never louder than his walk. I think sometimes he does get a bit a bit boisterous. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, to each their own. I mean, I mean, trust me, I'm not, I'm not for having people talk, 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 you know, all this mess or whatever. I just want to watch you play unless, and if you got something to say, say it on the pitch, right? But he's, he has a lot to say on the pitch. So, um, so hopefully, I mean, we can, we can bring him another frowny or not like we did last year. Well, let me ask at least this time at home. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How do you stop Zlatan? If, if you're, if you're Davey Arnault and the Dynamo defense, what do you, what do you do? How do you approach him? See, well, from the formation that I've seen, I mean, they play him up, they play him solo up top, right? But the, the, the biggest difference now is that he has such a gifted player on his, on his side and Pavon. That guy has changed the dimension for LA Galaxy since he's got here. But, uh, but if I was coaching and, and I had the task of, you know, how do I stop Slaton, I guess, the, the million dollar question for this Sunday. I mean, I would have Struna on him like, like why don't rice, you know, and then, and then, uh, for my, my right there, right behind him, just, just tag teaming him all over, just, just, just annoying him. <laughs> you know, I, I have an idea of how you slow Zlatan down at least a little bit. Oh, but, 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 but without breaking his leg or anything, Sean, come on. No, 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 fair. no. You'll, you'll like this. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to hire uh, some of the ladies from Houston, around Houston, and uh, I'm going to send them to his hotel room the night before. And I'm going to get him so distracted and so busy that he forgets about the match. Because uh, I really honestly think that's just about the only way to actually stop him. Now, slowing him down, however, uh, you know that's a different story. I think Vera, actually, when he's marked up on him 1v1, and is basically tasked with kind of chasing him around the pitch, I think Vera does a fantastic job of that and creating a situation where when Vera's not following him around, you know, and, and has released him, it's because he knows that Struna or, or in this case, when Mayor, I'm hoping, uh, will be the one that's on him. And to be fair, Struna and Fuen Mayor are both players that will get physical. And my only concern yeah. is Zlatan drawing a foul potential card situation from Fuenmayor. I don't think I have to worry about it as much with Struna, but I do think with Fuenmayor that is a, a definite concern that has to be taken into account. Well, I mean, you know, Zlatan's always, he's always in the box. I mean, you think he's 18 yards outside the box and then all of a sudden, boom, he's in the box, right? So the concern is always the, if you foul the guy and then, you know, uh, there's a penalty called on you. And, that, and that's just what great players do. But you can't be scared of, you know, being physical with a guy like that because a lot of times we'll be physical with you if you're not physical with him. He's He'll push you around. He'll, you know, make sure that make you look silly. So you got to give it your all. I mean, and for my, and for my own, I mean, this is one of the learning things, that he, the learning processes that he has to go through. This is a world-class player, and if you want to be part of the starting 11, especially for next year, you got to show up because more of these players are coming. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The the league is expanding in terms of talent and overall uh, level of play. Uh, it feels like year over year, uh, if not just transfer window by transfer window. Uh, perfect example is, you know, we've got uh, Pavone, uh, Pity, even though Pity came in and hasn't really shown to be all that fantastic. And 
Um, you know, other players that have come in in these last couple of windows have just been outstanding for the most part. Uh, and, and the level of play has definitely improved, uh, to say the least, across almost the entire league. And, you know, so uh, from a Fuenmayor standpoint, you have to expect or hope that he's up to the task, that he's not going to wilt under the pressure, that he's not going to give in to Zlatan. And, and we know that Zlatan, even though some of us like to believe Zlatan, all he does is show it on the pitch. You know, he does a lot of talking on the pitch as well, and he, he does a lot of little antics that get under other players' skin, and it, it's under it's it's on Fuenmayor and Struna, if both of those are the starters, to deal with that and not let him get under their skin. Um, I, I think if, if, if Fuenmayor isn't careful, uh, Fuenmayor will find himself in a situation where he's giving up a penalty, uh, in the box and then turning around and giving a, a penalty kick situation. Um, and, and, you know, while we can't play spoilers in this match, we can't end LA galaxy's hopes of playoffs. Uh, I still like to think that we could come out, especially at home and win a match to kind of send Beasley off proper. Uh, and at the same time, leave a sour taste in LA galaxy's mouth. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm okay if that's kind of how the end of the season goes at this point, because frankly, we've only got one match. That's all we got left. But, you know, if, if that's how it goes, it's how it goes. Uh, but I'd much rather that outcome than us just get absolutely dominated and, and give up a hat trick to Zlatan, because frankly, we'll never hear the end of it for at least the rest of the week, because ESPN and FS1 and... You know, even the Champions League uh, coverage on TNT uh, are just going to be talking all about Zlatan at that point. Oh, for sure. You know, that's that's one of the things that we need to that would show who here want is playing for pride for themselves and pride for the team, pride for the shirt. I mean, you know, this is it's a big opportunity for these guys. Like I said before, and, um, see who wants to come back for next season and be part of this team. And this is one of those chances to really showcase that, Chase, I still want to be part of this team, and I know this is the start of a new beginning, so let's start now, and let's beat Slots on the LA Galaxy. Absolutely. Uh, definitely, for sure. So, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, too, uh, about how the... This season and the last kind of few seasons since Wilmer took over, uh, the locker room has been more closed off uh, and limited access uh, allowed for members of the media, um, you know, and access to players for interviews, you know, during practice, before practice, after practice was always limited, before get matches, after matches was always limited, um, and, and, and those restrictions have loosened substantially. Uh, by the Dynamo since Wilmer has left. And, and in fact, I think we've seen the, the impact of that because I think in the first like two weeks of Wilmer being gone, I think I saw 15 more articles about players and tactics and you know interviews with front office personnel, interviews with players uh, and articles. In the, in, like I said, in that first two weeks, I think I saw more of those than I've seen in the last three years combined. Um, it was a pretty substantial and marked marked difference uh, between uh, how it was pr uh, during Wilmer's tenure and as soon as he was gone. Um, and, 
uh, I, I wanted to get your thought on on that um, and hear from you. Sorry, no, I mean, looking at something. no, no, I got, I got you, I got you, Sean. But um, no, for for sure. I mean, I've I've seen it all over on Twitter. I've seen it on you know on numerous social medias that the way the atmosphere around the Dynamo compound now and HSP and on the on the on the stadium and game day and all that stuff, it's it's more re- relaxed. I, I kind of want to say, um, media has more access to them. I've seen a lot more posts. I've seen a lot more activity as far as media for the Dynamo ever since Wilmer has left. And I think that's a great thing. You know, it's one of those things that if the team was succeeding and the team was on top of the, you know, MLS food chain, per se, then, hey, then you let Wilmer do what he does because obviously there's success going on, right? It's like the whole Bill Belichick and and the Patriots thing, you know, Bill Belichick can answer however he wants to because guess what? He has rings on his finger. But um, but unfortunately that wasn't the case with Wilmer. <laughs> so it, I was I was a little dis- I was a little disappointed in the in the in the length of time it took, I, I guess the front office to kind of get to Wilmer, like, hey, you need to change your approach or or to or to like maybe or to get rid of him, right? Because you can see he he would get like that. He would he would be on the cusp of being on a high seat, but then he would go on a little run or do something nice. Because I mean, like the beginning of the season, it looked real good, and we're like, oh wow, well, I guess they finally figured it out. Whatever, you know. I think what well, we started seven three and three, and everything was going well, you know. So obviously, whatever Wilmer wanted to do, Wilmer got because he's showing positive outcomes on the on the pitch, and you can have that when you're winning. And winning covers up a lot of things. But the second you start losing, and the second you start losing really bad, and the second you start losing every week, and you, you don't win games for two two months, then it becomes an issue. And then you can't, you can't act a certain way like you did when you were winning because you don't have that, that option anymore because you have to answer to media. You have to answer to the fans and the supporters and, and the people who who love this club because they want to see this club do good. Obviously, he does too. But I mean, then what's what's going on? We want to know what's going on. And the fact that he was so closed off, it rubbed people the wrong way. It's kind of like that Bill O'Brien effect with the Texans that they have going on with him too. I mean, because this this team has a lot of players that we that we love to support. I mean, we love Mauro, we love uh, Memo, um, Beasley, all those guys. And, but it's 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 hard sometimes because you can't you never hear from those guys when under the Wilmer uh, tenure you never heard from those guys really. But I never I, I would never hear an interview, a player interview, unless it was something scheduled with one of the main guys from Fox Sports or ESPN or something like that. But now you you, you hear him you hear them on local uh, or Twitter or or just hey somebody. Somebody that is trying to do some freelancing goes up to them, you know, asking questions, and they, and they they're willing to answer now. You know, I think one of the things that's come out of um, having more open access for media 
is it's, I feel as a fan, it's easier to connect with players uh, when you hear from them regularly, when you hear from them regularly, when you get their very real, very raw thoughts and emotions coming after a match, whether it's a victory, a loss, a draw, whether it was a, you know, a last-minute winner, a last-minute lo- you know, loser, whatever it is. When you get those kind of real responses, I think it allows you to kind of connect with a player as a fan. And that I, I feel like if there was anything that's been missing from the last few years in particular that the Dynamo got right early in their tenure, it's that in particular. It's that uh, it was really hard for players to or for fans to connect with those players uh, because they just didn't get to hear from them regularly. And it was like, it, it, in some regards, it was like the players played their match and then that was kind of it. It was It was very much a you know, once a week kind of ordeal and everybody just kind of went around about their business. If you look at the most successful clubs in MLS from a, you know, from a publicity standpoint, from a fans, uh, you know, fan support standpoint, it's clubs that embrace their fans, you know, basically 24 um, seven, you know, they're <sighs> sorry, <laughs> distraction, bad time, uh, you know, but they're, they're, they're clubs that embrace their fans 24 seven. They're clubs that, you know, empower their players to be connected and connect with their fans. Um, and that to me is, I feel like one of the things that the dynamo really need to focus as they kind of move forward is, especially with whoever the new coach may end up being is being able to allow players, especially these guys that they bring in that are supposed to take the mantle of the team on, on their shoulders and, and, you know, be the leader when they're coming in and, 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 you know, help fire up the rest of the team or help, you know, help engage the fan base or whatever it may be. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, if they open up those players and let them be themselves, whether it's with the media or with fans or in general, I I think it just creates an environment where, you know, the fans are going to embrace it more, no matter who they bring in. I feel like fans, you know, I feel like, honestly, I feel like this team, the fans would have been more okay with the way things went down if they could have been more connected with the players, if they'd have been able to hear from the players more often, because I feel like at times maybe Kyoto gets a bad rap because nobody ever gets to hear what he's got to say um, until he's at that point where he's ready to call it a day, you know, or, or, or whatever. Uh, I, I just feel like we, we kind of, we get to this point where everybody, um, you know, everybody wants to know, wants that transparency and wants to know what's going on. But if you can't talk to the people that are dealing with it, you just really never know. You never find out what they're really dealing with. Uh, and, no, and so, I mean, you know. No, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, look, MLS is trying to be the next big league, right, around the world. Well, guess what? All these leagues around the world allow access to all their players from all around the world because all these players come from different parts of the world. So there's so much there's so much access to these world-class players and yet for a team like the Dynamo who's who has who I, who I hope aspirations are to become one of the top teams in MLS you have to be more open you have to be more accessible and I think they've gotten that notion and I think that moving forward at least from what I've seen the last couple of months since Wilmer, Wilmer has left, that they're, that's a step they're taking, and that's good. But um, you were talking about uh, 
new coaches. Um, some big news the last couple of days of a big coach being let go. That might be a possibility for the Dynamo if they're interested. Mm-hmm. You going to share it or are you just going to make me wait? Yeah. So um, <laughs> for those who haven't heard, uh, Diego Alonso, uh, the coach of the Rayados and uh, previously of Pachuca, has been let go by Rayados after the 2-0 loss in their Clasico against Tigres. Um, for reasons unknown, I'm pretty sure that the the hierarchy of of Rayados were kind of disappointed and losing their Clasico 2-0, to zero, but you know, Clasicos are what they are. They're Clasicos, you know, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. I was a bit surprised myself to see the fact that he was let go because he's been a great coach in Mexico for the last... I want to say five, six years between both Pachuca and Monterrey. Um, he's won with both clubs, uh, obviously recently winning the Champions League with, with Monterrey this past edition and uh, winning, I think he won a league title with Pachuca and he won Champions League with Pachuca as well. So thoughts, Sean? Was this, would this be a guy that you'd be happy the Dynamo go on and pursue? Would I be happy? I think the answer is absolutely yes. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt this guy is the type of coach that would fit with the Dynamo system pretty darn well. He fits what I've requested out of a coach. Um, I, I'm going to throw something at you that, that I, I want you to consider. The okay. Dynamo go on record at, this, uh, at the, uh, the DFFC, Dynamo Fans for Change Symposium. Uh, that's what we'll call it for now, the Symposium. Uh, with the front office, and, and Jordan goes on record and basically says that, uh, you know, they're working to line up a coach, and their intent is to announce the coach within the month of October. Uh, number two, that they've had a lot of queries from various coaches. Number three, Diego Alonso suddenly becomes available the second day of the month before the end of both team seasons very shortly before the end of both team seasons, or at least the, the, as MLS goes, um, it becomes available. And he's the type of coach that fits what the Dynamo are looking for. I, I think the writing is on the wall. I, I genuinely think, based on what I've heard, based on how this has come about, I genuinely think you are looking at the next Dynamo head coach. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in thinking about it, I think it would make a lot of sense. Now, I'm going to preface that by saying I said the same thing about Wilmer Cabrera when he was brought in to take over um, as the uh, as the head coach um, at the time, based on his experience with RGV, based on his experience with other teams, etc. But I think the difference is Diego Alonso has a much longer tenure uh, of success uh, than Wilmer did as you know in his assistant manager or assistant coach roles uh, and and otherwise. Um, so, so I'm going to throw it back to you because I think you actually have a better grasp of Diogo Alonso as a coach um, and, and so, kind of player manager. So I follow the Liga MX uh, quite a bit, you know, my, and Diego Alonso is obviously one of those coaches that have high regards. And let me, let me just tell you what his uh, record was with Monterrey for the year and a half that he's been with them. 31 wins. 12 draws and 12 losses. That's an amazing record. <laughs> would you, would you be okay with that with the Dynamo next season? Oh, would I be okay? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, man. But like I said, just in 
oddly enough, I was um, looking up the at the MLS website not too long ago, and they were talking. They had an article talking about, uh, you know, Mexican players, the next wave of Mexican players coming over here to play in MLS, right? And they were talking about a couple of names that seem interest and seem interesting. But you know what makes it even more interesting when you hire a coach that's coached that player and another, and another team. That gives me, that gives me more of a, a man. That, that there's an actual possibility that player can come to our team because he he's played under that coach. He loved playing underneath that coach and he had a lot of success with that coach. So Diego Alonso obviously coached in Pachuca and coached in Mont in Monterrey. And a couple of players that they were talking about uh, that could be coming to MLS here in the next couple uh, for, for next season is uh, I'll, I'll draw two names, Eric Aguirre and Cesar Montes. Both are Mexican national team players. They're both young. I think both of them are 22 or 23 around somewhere. Yeah. And, and they both fit needs that the Dynamo need for next season. And guess what? Both of them have played for Diego Alonso. What? So, get, can you believe it? I, it's, I, it, it's like it, it's like the stars of aligning for the dynamo all of a sudden it's like there's and, a plan it's like there's a whole plan to this thing i don't know man i, I don't know but um erica Aguirre is is, is a uh, attacking midfielder and we've been looking for one of those especially since tomas can't seem to attack and and uh Cesar Montes is a center back yeah so de- depending what's gonna happen depending on what's gonna happen with from Mayor. Obviously, Figueroa is too too old to be thought about for the future, but those are two names that I would love to have on the team for next year, or or at least one of them. And I know the fan base, especially the Mexican fan base, are real familiar with these two young guys because they're that's the future of their national team. Tata Martino plays them for, on the national team. These guys are their future. So I think I mean Dynamo. I don't know how far along they are with whoever they thought they were going to sign because, you know, obviously Matt Jordan said they had a deadline of signing the new head coach in October. No, no, he didn't put a deadline on it. He well, said, well, well, but he, he, said, he said he wanted, he, he would love to have the signing done in October, right? Correct. Well, correct. Who, who, whoever they've spoken to, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I don't, I don't know who they've spoken to. Yep. Um, I think you, you stop everything you're doing right now and you get Diego on the line and you, and you talk to him, and you see how interested he is in being a Houston Dynamo head coach. So my point is, you're acting like they haven't already done that. You're acting like my point is the timing. Well, look, granted, it comes off the classico, the classico loss, but you're talking about a coach that in 2019, this year, won Concacaf Champions League. You're talking about a coach that has proven himself. I mean, that would be like firing Wilmer Cabrera at the last season, at the end of last season, because we didn't make the playoffs, even though he won Open Cup. That, that well, was, see, this is the, But it's Liga MX, well, so it's, it's different, but... Well, I mean, you know, look, like, I, I said it, I said it till I had no more breath to say it with. I want my next coach to have pedigree, yeah, okay? Yeah, I, I, I want my next coach not only to be successful in their domestic league, but internationally international competitions i want the dynamo's brand to be out there i want it to be as big as possible as possible i look soccer is a global sport right Mm -hmm. so 
when I when I when I go on Twitter and I and I have Houston Dynamo UK following me or Houston Dynamo France following me, that to me brings joy to my joy to me as a Dynamo supporter and fan, because that's telling me that hey, there's a guy out there in Europe or a guy out there in France, you know, that that loves the Dynamo. How 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 is that possible? You know, and how much more exposure can you have? by winning your international competition, winning in Champions League, going on to play in the Club World Cup, you know, stuff like that. It's it's something that the Dynamo really has to take a grasp on. And this signing, whoever it is, whether if it's Diego or if it's now or whoever it, whoever it is, this signing is a big fork in the road for this franchise and for the upcoming years. Because this next signing as head coach, can take you one way, it could take you another. And the way it's been going, it's been going backwards. And from here on out, I'm trying to go forward. For sure. So. And and I, I want to throw it out there. It's also, he's also a coach that, that uh, in his time with Pachuca also, not only did he make it to FIFA World Cup, or Club World Cup, but he placed, he, his team placed third in FIFA World uh, Club World Cup back in 2017. I mean, so the guy, again, he's got, he's got the pedigree there, as you've stated. Uh, to show that he knows what he's doing. Um, and, and sure, like you said, I mean, he's coming off a, a fantastic run of form uh, with Rayados. But I think what's important about Diego is, again, and I'm going to point to this because I, I want listeners to hear this when I say this. In soccer, timing is everything. And when you see a coach that gets released by a team where he's done pretty well, He's had a few hiccups along the way, but he's done pretty well and is a coach that is well-supported there. And you see him released, and in Liga MX, yes, I understand that results matter and coaches get released all the time that are really good coaches. But when you see it happen in the exact timeline that a team in another league has already set aside that that's when they want to be announcing their coach, that they've already got a guy in mind, that tells me they've probably been in communication with Diego Alonso for a few weeks now that Diego Alonso may have also requested that he actually move on. He may have been ready to call it a day with Rialdos. Now, it sounds crazy to Rialdos fans, I'm sure. But if the guy wants a chance at MLS and a chance opens up where he's comfortable going, and I guarantee you Gabriel Brenner has contacts within Liga MX that could potentially make it happen. Because, again, Brenner's business, primary businesses, while they are Houston-based to some extent, he's got a lot of sway in Mexico. And while he doesn't have the sway of a lot of the lot larger League MX guys, he still has enough that he could pull a coach like that. I'm just saying, guys, no. don't get excited, but it's okay to get a little bit hype. It's okay to be a little no. bit excited about that. And I'm and, I, and I'm excited. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this offseason. There's been a lot of offseasons in the Dynamo history, but this offseason to me, it's very exciting. Even though we're coming off uh, a sorry year, I am so looking forward to this offseason. First and foremost, I want to I want to see the, the head coach. Once you see the head coach, you kind of get you can kind of see what kind of direction they're going to go because every coach has a certain style, a certain flair. So, for example, let's say it is Diego Alonso. You you know what kind of you know what kind of style he plays. You know what kind of teams he's looking for. You know what kind of players he's looking for. You know what kind of player he's what kind of players he's coached before. The thing about being coming from club coming from other clubs with name and pedigree is that guess what? Like I said before, 
some of those players love playing for that coach and they're willing to go wherever that coach goes because that coach brought out the best of them. Yep. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to play for their national team. Everybody wants to move up and go play in Europe. Everybody wants to do that. And if I, ha and if I have a coach that brought out the best of me, who I know is going to challenge me and make me better, guess what? I'm going where that guy's going. For sure. And, and I think it's, so. I, I, I think, you know, I, I want to keep talking about this because it's exciting to talk about a coach that holy crap would actually be an amazing get. But I, I think it's also important to remember too, that it, it's not improbable. It, it's, it's within the realm of possibility right now. And I like how you put it. The Dynamo are at a crossroads. We've been at a crossroads a few different times in, in you know, throughout the Dy Dynamo's existence in Houston. Uh, number one was as soon as Dominic Kinnear announced he was retiring, that next phase, moving from Dominic Kinnear on to the next, uh, you know, kind of phase of, of the Dynamo, uh, moving on from Owen Coyle to, or really Wade, you know, the end of the Wade Barrett tenure um, and what the Dynamo were going to do there. Um, and, and then now at the end of the Wilmer Cabrera tenure slash Davey Arnault tenure and moving, you know, moving in the direction they determined to move into. I, I think what you said, it, it, it's a, cro it, it's a very important crossroads. The Dynamo know from the front office standpoint, from a technical staff standpoint, from, you know, to a, to a, you know, to ticket sales, to support, et cetera. They know they've got to do something to earn, start earning that trust back with fans. I feel like they've started that process by opening up, uh, you know, player access for media and things like that. But I think if they really want to win fans back, you have to start with a move uh, for a coach that's going to have some value in it. You know, if they bring in another MLS coach that has no pedigree, um, at this point, it's going to be underwhelming. And it has nothing to do with the coach themselves. It's just the fact that you have an opportunity here, even if it's not Diego Alonso, to go out and get a much better coach than you had in Wilmer Cabrera. Um, and, you know, so, so use this opportunity, if you're the Dynamo, to win that trust back. If you do manage to go out, if you've been working this, now here's the thing. If the Dynamo have truly been working this as long as I believe they have been, we're talking probably a month and a half they've been working on this. And if it turns out to be Diego Alonso and that's who they've been working, look, you have to give him credit. As much shit, pardon the French, that fans like to give ownership, if the Dynamo have been working this for a month, you have to give the team credit. Because they started oh, the sure. process before the coach was even available, and that's huge. No, that's huge. Yeah, and, yeah, that's that, that that, and that gives me optimism. I mean, the thing is, like, now I can't I can't deny the fact that you know that I still got to think about like how the Dynamo have programmed me, right? Of course, you know they've been underwhelming with certain things, a lot of things, so to have optimism and to think that, look, these guys actually pop two steps ahead. Oh my God. Right. And to think that such a coach could come over here. Wow. That's and, amazing. And because, I, because you think, because you think about it, they look at this, this coach, coach Monterrey Rayados, one of the biggest clubs in the Liga MX, right? Yeah. We have, we have, we have Rayados play friendlies here. It seems like two times a year, every year. At least I think it they have, feels like, yeah. Yeah, I think they have a friendly coming up here pretty soon, too, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. No, you see... Maybe with Monterey. You see the amount. 
Go ahead. Yeah, you see the amount of fans that show up for that club, you know? Yeah. Anybody anybody associated with that club, when I was the least first caught here, people were excited because, you know, he was a, a rayado. Just, just for the simple fact, nobody knew who Albert Elise was. Sure. Just, but he came from, he came from Monterrey Rayados, and people were like, yeah, I want to watch this kid play, see what he's all about, you know? Because he could be playing for Rayados next year because he was only on loan initially with us. So to have a coach who's, who's won and t- at two clubs – Nonetheless, Real is just Realos and and Liga MX. I mean, that brings excitement to people. And then, like I said, after you have him locked down, then that's when that's that's when y'all can all sit on they can all sit in a round table and start piecing together who they're gonna go get, what they wanna what they want. And trust me, I don't think a coach like that comes into a situation where he's not gonna get players that he needs to make to turn the ship around. Absolutely. A coach like that is going to come in with an expectation of spending a certain amount of money to be competitive in the league. Um, For sure. You know, and and, and I, I want to touch on your point, too, and I know this is probably going to get a little long in, in the tooth, but I think it's probably worth it because okay. we actually have you something see, to talk about, right? Um, do you hear my excitement? Let's uh, go. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I liked how you mentioned, though, that a coach can inspire players to come to them, can – a coach's reputation, especially if he's a coach that players like playing for, can be the trigger that allows and opens the door for a club to sign players that they normally wouldn't sign. Perhaps for a little less money than maybe they would sign for another team if it's a coach they like playing for. I think the reason the Dynamo haven't splashed a whole lot of cash, besides the fact that at times ownership has kind of locked that box, I think part of that has to do with the fact that Players don't want to play for Wilmer Cabrera. You know, <laughs> I, I've talked about it before. Wilmer Cabrera last year, uh, player poll came out and said that he was the worst coach to play for. Uh, that's hard to overcome as an organization. So you get a coach that players like playing for, and that opens up a world of possibilities for players. Um, not only that, you get a coach that players like playing for, and suddenly your players that you currently have, their level of talent just S elevated. Not just because the coach is coming in, but because they actually enjoy playing for that coach. They enjoy working under that coach. And I, I, I don't know if that's, if it is, I, I have, I can't confirm yet that it is Diego Alonso. I, I have no way to confirm that at this point. But the, any time that things have lined up a specific way and timing has proven to be very key to a lot of this stuff in the past, it usually has come to fruition. And my hope is that because of Brenner's connections, because Brenner is familiar with Liga MX, because Brenner is familiar with Monterey, that those connections have led to this possibility, have created the opportunity to bring Alonso in. And it's not like the Dynamo are unfamiliar with Monterey. As you've noted, they've had a very good ongoing business relationship with Monterey for quite a while. And look, it wasn't that long ago we took a loan from them, ultimately loaned to buy for Albert Elise. And, you know, so there's a working relationship there. The timing is is right for this to happen. And if you can, as the Dynamo, if they do it, if they manage to announce Diego Alonso before the end of October, they will have positioned themselves to have a whirlwind of an offseason where they can create something very special in his very first season. And it may not require 
17 new players or anything like that. But the opportunity to bring in, as you noted, one or two of his current players, or I guess technically now former players, uh, or and even other players that have played for him before, the opportunity to bring those players in, it's just, it's hard not to get very excited for that. And if it happens, my one question to you, because you are way more familiar with Liga MX than I am, is... If something like this happens, I'm curious to know how you think Tigris fans here in Houston would handle it. That's always the conundrum, right? If you when you hire somebody of that stature, obviously they played they played against major rivals, and you know how would they feel this and that, how that goes, and all that stuff. Because you know, once you're somebody, you're always that somebody, right? That like um, me being an Arsenal fan, once a gunner, always a gunner, right? Um, but uh, honestly, I think yeah, there's a, there's a huge amount of Tigris fans here, as there are Rayados fans and other fans for Chivas, Club America, all that stuff. Because I mean, you see all those clubs coming to here, sure. playing Houston, and 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 the stadium is packed, right? Absolutely. But, but the I think the real question would be is how many of those. Tigres fans or even a Club of America fans or Chivas fans or Cruz Azul fans are ready to be Dynamo fans, you know? Because soccer or football isn't just about your one club for for a lot of fans, you know? Obviously, we all have that one club that we grew up watching and, you know, we've been known since we were little because our parents watched, we watched it when we were little with them or whatever. But like myself, I take myself as an example. I love Arsenal, but I love Barcelona as well. And my favorite in my in my Liga MX team is Club America. But but I'm a huge Dynamo supporter too. And I think with when you make a hire like that with like Diego Alonso, you're basically saying to the fans out there or the people who 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 have access to the Dynamo here in the city of Houston that hey. We want you to be Dynamo fans, regardless if you're a Club America fan, Chivas, Tigres, Rayados, doesn't matter. This move shows that we want to bring you over. We, we're, not, we're not trying to convert you. You're going to have your team. You're going to be Tigres for life. You're going to be Rayados for life. But we also want you to have a center. We also want you to have love for the Dynamo as well. And I think that's what a signing like this can can bring for the Dynamo, help them garner and help them tap into that fan base, that not just the Mex- Mexican fan base, but a lot of Central Americans, uh, Central Americans, uh, Salvadorians, Hondurians, uh, Guatemalans, they watch, they watch Liga MX. You're trying to tap into that, that Latino community and bring them over and, and and make them dynamo fans and hirings like this that's what happens that's, that's what makes it happen yeah like i said i mean i was just curious from a league of you know mx perspective kind of what that sort of a move would would you know a what it would signify to current dynamo fans but also to mm-hmm. league mx fans you know uh that that have Seeing the Dynamo, they know they exist, you know, but they, they just don't feel that the Dynamo are quite for them. 
I, I do wonder if a move like that would be enough to pull some of those fans in. And again, if the Dynamo have been working this, not, not just the coaching perspective, but just knowing that they want to go out and they want to make a bit of a splash in terms of coach when the time came, whether or, or even players, if Wilmer had succeeded this season, um, you know, and, and their approach has been we want to build up support and we're angling to pull in more of those fans that are from other, you know, fans of, of teams from other leagues and, and uh, you know, and other national teams. You know, it just feels like from a, even a marketing advertising perspective that it just fits, um, you know, and, and would make, again, it just, there are times when I believe some things make too much sense to be real. And there are times that I think that, you know, some things make sense and line up just right, but still have some things that have to be figured out. And I think when we're looking at like a Diego Alonso, I think that's what we're looking at. Now, let me ask you another question uh, before we start opening it up to let people ask their questions. Uh, I know you have your heart set on someone else. Um, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell me why they would be your pick over, say, a Diego, Al Diego Alonso. Um, and, and tell me why the Dynamo should be looking at this guy as well. Go ahead. Well, for those who follow me on Twitter, at Chesegovia, just in case, you know, nobody's following me right now, um, they see my love and my admiration for Antonio Mohamed. Uh, for those who don't know who Antonio Mohamed is, um, he was a coach for Club America, also for Rayados. I think before Diego Alonso, I think he was the previous coach before Diego Alonso got there, uh, Tijuana, and he coached in Argentina for Independiente. And he had a little stint in La Liga with uh, Santo Vigo. Now, why do I want Antonio to be my next head coach for the Dynamo? Well, first and foremost, the style of play. It's a very attack-minded style of play. And, I've, I mean, like I said, I, like I said prior, I'm a huge Club America fan, but he was coaching Club America. It was after the Miguel Herrera went to coach for Mexico, and that same level stayed. You know, those attack, those players attacked. They won. I think they they, they won a Liga MX with him. That that one year he was with them, um, but he took that same style to play to to Rayados, and they won. And players love playing for a guy like that. They've had nothing but respect for guys like that. I, I've I've heard nothing but good things. From a player, from a player standpoint, about the coach. Now, obviously, he had issues with the front offices, with Club America. That's why he was, you know, let go or whatever. But again, this goes to a coach having pedigree. This guy, he won in Argentina. He won in Mexico. He had uh, coaching. He had coaching stints in, in Spain. So he knows what it's about. He knows how to win. His style of play is very, very exciting. And players like, like playing for a guy like that. And like I said, he has a lot of connections. Another uh, another coach who has a uh, winning style in Mexico. So obviously that Brenner connection could be there as well, like like you were saying previously about Diego Alonso. And let me just go, you know, over a couple of, the, of his career highlights. You know, he's won uh, MX title with Tijuana Club America. Monterrey. He's won a Copa with Monterrey. Um, he won the Copa Sudamericana with Independiente, which for those who don't know that uh, tournament is kind of like the Europa League for the South American clubs. Um, so this guy goes 
from club to club and wins. Brings a winning mentality plus an exciting brand of football. So what else do you would would you want in a coach? No, absolutely. I mean, if you know, if I'm looking at it, you know, excluding Diego Alonso as a possibility, excluding Liga MX coaches as a possibility, if there's a guy that I personally would want to target just in general, I feel like it would have to be Tom Ramos. And I've talked about him before and why I like him so much. One, he's a U.S.-based guy, and you can't go wrong with that when you're talking about MLS. He's a guy that's had experience with the U.S. Uh, youth national team, so he understands how to develop young players. He understands how to incorporate young players. Uh, his, his style is, is attack, and he likes a quick-passing, quick-thinking team. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing I, I've really appreciated about Tab Ramos kind of long-term is he's a classy coach. Um, you know, and, and a lot of coaches can be at times, but I think some coaches can, can kind of forget that class side of things. Tom Ramos is a guy that just, he, he's kind of he reminds me a bit of like a, a coach version of DeMarcus Beasley. Um, and, and I think, you know, kind of long-term Tom Ramos is the type of guy that can help the dynamo solidify that pipeline that goes from dynamo Academy to RGV to the dynamo. Uh, in such a way that it pulls that burden, I think, a little bit off of uh, Matt Jordan so that they don't have, you know, Matt Jordan can focus on bringing in, you know, current age talent as opposed to having to find young guys to bring in. Plus, Tab Ramos's, you know, scouting network is ridiculous. Um, the guy has connections worldwide and probably as big a scouting network as does Matt Jordan. Um, and I also think Tab Ramos is the type of coach that Matt Jordan can work with. Um, and I think, an- so let me ask you a question. Go ahead. If you, so let, let, just hypothetically saying, you know, let's, let's say Dynamo signed Todd Ramos as the next coach, right? Sure. Would you be satisfied with him being signed as the head coach? And then obviously knowing his pedigree of developing young players and, you know, growing them up and, and like Matt Jordan has said numerous times and, and numerous amount of interviews that that's one of the pillars of, what they want to do for this for this franchise is grab young players, develop them, sell them off, right? Yeah. So would you be would you be satisfied with the offseason if the if if the the offseason was signing Ty Romos as a as a head coach, and then signing a few young players from South America here, and then obviously players that we haven't really heard of prior, you know, and then him coaching them up? Would you be satisfied with that? Me personally, yes. And, and again, I'm a different breed when it comes to satisfaction. Like, I don't necessarily place all of my contentment with the team on the success of the team on the pitch. Um, I, I am a fan that would rather see a team struggle for a few seasons and then, but in the process, be building towards a long-term sustainable, you know, uh, farm system or system. Um, so I would be okay with that because I do think the Dynamo could excel with Tab Ramos in that type of a situation where they say to him, look, we're going to give you this amount of time, but we're also going to bring in some young players that we want you to prove you can coach up and turn into quality players in MLS. And we want them to be, you know, kind of a similar to an Albert Elise. We want to, we're going to bring in five young guys. We want to have at least three of them that turn out to be quality MLS starters um, and, and can turn into assets long-term that we can turn around and sell on to other teams um, and, and I feel like, you know, Tab Ramos is the type of coach that this is exactly the type of situation he could work well in, um, where he kind of has a, 
a set goal. You know, they know what he, what, you know, what they need to focus or he knows what he's got to focus on to succeed. But at the same time, it's not a totally close ended thing either where it's like, Oh, well, once you've succeeded, we're, you know, we expect you to move on. It's, we want to give you an opportunity. And our hope is that you end up kind of a long-term dynamo coach and, and you help build up. And the other thing too, that I want a coach that comes in to do is to work towards improving our own coaching pipeline. I feel like we have lost out on having a coaching pipeline, uh, whether it's you know coaches that move up from the academy and, and move into more professional roles, uh, you know into RGV coaching or you know as assistant coaches or full time coaches, uh, whether it's moving into Brazos Valley Cavalry um, and, and coaching there and improving your medal there, or whether it's moving into an assistant uh, coach role. Uh, with the dynamo, you know, whatever it may be, I feel like we're missing out on that. And I look at successful teams. Like I, the reason I bring that up is I look at the NBA and the D league and what makes the Va- the Vipers, the, the affiliate, the D league affiliate for the Rockets so valuable to the Rockets. It's not just their player development. It's their coaching development. Coaches that do successful at RGV Vipers are mm-hmm. usually end up on the Rockets coaching staff in some way, shape, or form, um, and, and that is in, in integral to long-term success. You can't have one without the other. And right now, we have neither. But right now, we really don't have coaching pipeline. You know, we don't have anybody okay. that's really ready to step into that role from within the Dynamo organization. Go ahead. Okay, so just to follow up on what you were saying. We've been struggling since 2014. How how long do you think the the fan base can withstand another another two three years for this for, for let's say Tab you know to 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 lift the Dynamo and to bring and to and to uh, progress with these players so they can get to that winning system well, but that you, that you go ahead. I, I was gonna say okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say it this way. I believe the fan base can withstand it, and here's why. Number one, winning cures what ails you. So if you create a long-term sustainability and a long-term competitive team, you can sacrifice another two to three seasons and, and be, or really just another two seasons and be okay with it as long as you're developing players. Because the moment that you bring those players up, it creates an electricity, it creates a spark within the fan base. That's not to say you don't you don't also bring in a couple of players, you know, one player maybe that that's a, a older player that is is a kind of star player, but you use the other, you know, DP slots to to bring in the younger guys that we were talking about uh, and then TAM players as well. But I think that no matter what, I think no matter who the coach is that comes in, I think that the Dynamo definitely have to at least sign one guy that's going to turn that turnstile in the positive direction because that has been a struggle. On the flip side of that, I don't think the Dynamos specifically have to be successful. I think they need to come out and they need to win at least greater than 50% of their matches at, at, on the road um, in order to be seen as reasonably successful, um, you know, Dynamo-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and to, to go, to just carry on what you're saying, I mean, I think Tab would be a great coaching hire, hiring, but I think he would have been more suited for when they were interviewing Wilmer and, and Barrett at that time frame. I think this time frame now is for a more established somebody with with a name overall. You know, even though we know Tab has has, has recognition, you know, for, for youth development and stuff like that with the, the U with the U twenties and the U, and U seventeens and all that other stuff and going to work with them. But I think 
from my standpoint, and I think maybe for quite a, quite a bit of fans out there, um, they they want they want to be hyped, man, and like and the names like Diego Alonso or Antonio Mohamed or or whoever else you might think of, um, that 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 creates excitement. I think people are ready to be excited now, because we've had such a long dreary couple of years and seasons that the Dynamo fan base is ready to be out there cheering and and being loud and and loving this team again. Because, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, Houston is a fair weather fan base. They they love you when you're winning, but they they don't don't take you out if you're losing. So that's what it is. And they know that. No, and, and I don't disagree with that. Um, um, it, it absolutely, I mean, I know we've had some down years. You know, I also come back to the fact that we just won U.S. Open Cup last year, you know, and I, I, I think it's overshadowed by the fact that fans have, fans have been set up to believe that this team can only be successful with one goal in mind and that's MLS cup. And I, I, uh, I don't think I don't mm. Mm. keep going, but I, but I, but I have, but I have something I want to say. For sure. You. No. And, and you're allowed a counterpoint to that, but I just, in my experience, I, I have talked to a lot of fans that just, unfortunately for whatever reason they've gotten this mentality and I think it was set early on now there are fans like yourself that came in a little bit later and you didn't have that expectation of MLS Cup every year or even you know being an MLS Cup uh, every year in the final Uh, but I think for a lot of fans that were around in the very beginning that's what they that's what their expectation for success was Uh, I think some fans aren't that way but I think, by and large, the fans that are voicing their their you know concerns tend to be those type of fans. Go ahead. No, so like, what I what I what I'm referring to is like so. Houston, and their and their fan base, and 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 more specifically the Dynamo fan base. Yeah, obviously we would love to be going for MLS Cup year in and year out, right? What what team doesn't? Let's be honest. Um, but. And in that same sense, we just want a, a te- we want a team that's competitive year in year out, that's striving for things, that's that's progressing. For example, we'll take we'll take like the Astros for example. You know, when the Astros were bad, the Astros were bad, but there was a plan in place. They they they, they took their plans, and now they're the sky's the limit, right? And the in and just when you thought that there is no more more and there was any more chance for them to move up they go sign a grand key and and and, and make the pro- their possibilities of winning a championship even higher the the same thing with the rockets rockets have been that middle of the pack team for for quite a bit they go get hardened bam playoff team then they go make some moves bam there's their ceiling goes up higher this past season we didn't know what was, was going to happen friction between the team guess what let's get rid of cp3 westbrook comes in and now who knows? You know, it's, it's it's one of those things that, even though we want to, we, we just want to see progress. We want to see that the that the the front office and the team is going in the right direction, which is up. 
because the last couple of years we've gone back. And I think as far as far as far as soccer fans know, yeah, U.S. Open Cup is a big deal because it's your cup, you know, competition. You know, I think the fa- the people here on Discord and whoever's watching us on on YouTube understand soccer that you know trophies is what matter, regardless if it's a Open Cup, uh, your domestic league, international competition, whatever. Trophies matter. That's why I. That's why when the League Cup came in, I was like, you know what? I hope the Diamond put a good team because if they, at the end of the day, if they, if they lift up that cup, even if it means nothing, it's a trophy in the trophy case. And I think that's all that the fan base wants to see. They want to see a winning mentality, a winning attitude, and progression. But we we haven't seen that for the last couple of years, you know, and it's been. We had that little bump in 2017, and then it just went downhill from there. So, you know, and then we had the little bump because of the U.S. Open Cup win, but, you know. Okay, I, I don't want to – because I think it, obviously that's something we can talk about ad nauseum, and we'll have plenty of time during yeah. the offseason yeah, yeah. to, to address it. But uh, out of the blue, uh, we happen to have a special guest that I'm going to bring in here in just a second. Uh, we're going to have the president of Texian Army join us for some questions. Uh, I've got a few that I'd like to ask him, and I'm sure Mark has a couple as well. Uh, I thought it would be appropriate, given that um, you know we had the surge on last week, uh, I thought it would be appropriate to bring in the Texian Army, and I'm hoping to get uh, EB on in the next couple of weeks as well, um, uh, I guess three weeks, uh, to, to talk about uh, their supporters group uh, as well uh, and to give them an opportunity. You know, we want to be – we want to be fair and mindful of the fact that, um, you know, there are multiple supporters groups out there. And we also, when the time comes, we want to give Darby and, and Brian an opportunity to share uh, about the uh, independent supporters thing that they've uh, begun building out. Uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, but for now, let's bring in Sam. So I'm going to bring him in. We'll see how this goes. This should be interesting. Sam is not a tech wizard. Sam, welcome to the show. Hello. Okay, can you hear me now? Can hear you, yes. What's right, up, so, Sam? Hello, how are you? Good, good. Uh, so, Sam, first of all, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, especially on short notice like this. Uh, I take it you were at the uh, Beasley retirement festivities today, this evening? Indeed I was. Got rushed back here to uh, make it in time to be available for you all. But uh, the event was excellent. Well attended, and Beasley was in a great mood. Um, wonderful reception. So, yeah, it was great. Excellent. So, uh, I mentioned earlier to our listeners that I know Texan Army, I helped with the uh, TIFO uh, on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, mentioned that the TA has a TIFO plan that's going to be pretty spectacular. Uh, do you want to say any words about that TIFO, Sam? Absolutely. The TIFO, um, I got to give a shout out to uh, the uh, Sarah uh, Hirano, our lead designer, who about nine, 90 days ago, three months ago, we all got together um, and uh, there was about eight of us that kind of got together and kind of put concept together and well, even can't rewind before that. Um, we were, we got this Beasley um, TIFO in mind because we were all in a, a meet, the, the monthly supporter group uh, council alliance. And that was one of those where we um, were just like, sure, we'll do that one. You know, kind of voted ourselves in. And boom, we got it. And so, boom, 
fast forward, we had pretty much 90 days to prep it. So anyways, our lead designer kind of put some concepts together and uh, as everyone knows, it's a grueling process to pick a design, to, to produce it, to stitch it together, to trace it, to paint it. Um, short versions, it's many, countless hours have gone into and we're just, oh, it, I'm so excited to, uh, and grateful to everyone who contributed to make it possible, but it's, it's a, a 40 foot by 40 foot approximately uh, TIFO that's uh, a very classy to and to honor me uh, himself and uh, super looking forward to it. On Friday, we're going to be testing it out a little bit because um, there's always that fear <laughs> if something's going to be, um, uh, make sure it's structurally sound when we test, uh, we test it. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to the culmination of it because on Sunday as it kind of rolls up, Oh, it's just going to be like, all right, there's all those hours paid off. And so we're real excited to share uh, that with uh, Bees himself, with the stadium, with the fans, supporters. So it's going to be great. I hope uh, I hope to see some pictures um, the day of. So send me, send me anything you guys got. We'd love to see it from the, y'all's perspective. I will be happy to send you a picture from me in front of my TV because that's how I have to view it on Sunday, unfortunately. Unfortunately uh, for myself as well. Bummer, bummer, bummer. Hashtag so let me ask you a question thing. regarding the TIFO. You know, for those who um, who are thinking of ever making a TIFO or have ever wanted to make a TIFO, how long? Obviously, it, it won't be one of that size. But how long did it take y'all to create it? And how many people did it take? Great question. So uh, a TIFO. Let's start with um, the original team that kind of got together it was about eight of eight people that came together um for concept purposes because hey you know uh not one idea should be rolled with it you want input from various um backgrounds of people um so once you guys get a concept you make the design digitally um get a proof of concept and then you end up measuring it out based on how much you have to work with for example the 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 field goal netting is the about thirty five by thirty something feet. It's for you know ballpark around that area, and so that's the space we have to work with. Um, so we can go smaller, bigger, but that's about the max size that we can use if it's going to be used up by the by the field goal um, uh, netting. So once you have the concept, you measure it out, you got the design, then you end up going out and purchasing the material and sewing it together, tracing with, you know, projectors and, 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 and markers on your material. Um, at that point, you've already probably spent, oh, gosh, halfway there, you've probably spent a good 20 hours spitballing there. Sounds about right. And we haven't even hit the, uh, the painting and, and testing. And so after... After tracing, you end up, after sewing, you end up painting part. And that took us a good six hours on Saturday. Um, but the neat thing is that the more complicated you make the design, and this is a credit, again, to pointing back to Sarah, is that her, the concept was is very, with the knowledge that you don't need to have a lot of paint or a lot of people, the more complex, obviously, the more requirements, uh, time, the more colors you involve, the more complicated it will be. So if you know you can spare manpower and time, 
sure, make it bigger, make it more colorful and complex. But uh, you don't want to hurt yourself, hurt yourself in the process. So um, that's why I love the the concept that we came up with, very simplistic and classy. You know, because that's who Beasley is. Yeah, I, I actually kind of mentioned that earlier since I had a chance to see the design kind of in progress that mm-hmm. uh, it, it is it is almost in a way kind of class classily understated in kind of the same way that Beasley himself as a player has been, uh, not yes. just in his time with the Dynamo, but just his career in general. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to talk too much about the TIFO because that still needs to be revealed on Sunday. Sure. What I want to talk about, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, if I'm a listener and I'm interested in Texian Army, what do I do? How do I join Texian Army for next year? Uh, joining Texian Army, I think, starts with kind of getting to know us uh, and hanging out with us uh, at our tailgates. Um, you know, can I just add me on Facebook, shoot me a mes- message, uh, share a little bit more about it. But it starts with uh, getting a sense of um, knowing some faces, um, you know, learning some people by name. It's like coming into to any community, any group. It's it's it. You you have to. We want to be able to meet you halfway. So, come to our tailgates. Boom! I'll I'll, I'll carry you the rest of the way. Introduce you to as, as many folks as possible. And that's. And I'll, I'll put it this way too. It's just coming and hanging out. There's zero requirement to quote unquote be a member. Zero. Come hang out with us and, and uh, love to be introduced to you. Membership not a requirement. Membership uh, comes with perks. Perks being uh, unique uh, shirts uh, every year, uh, discounted and access to tickets uh, for away matches and such. Um, and, you know, it's, it's I think I, I want to be able to shift that and go, uh, in the past, if it felt like something, you know, uber exclusive, I, I want to be able to break that mold. Um, and that all are welcome. Please, you know, my, my name and my face are out there. Add me, shoot me a message. I want to make myself available as much as possible, but uh, definitely want to be an open invited community. But for more information, definitely jump on to um and uh, follow us on, on Twitter, uh, Army, and sure of our social media. Facebook, of course, is a big one. We're very active on there about as far as where we're going to be, what we're going to do, the latest whispers of this and that uh, and happenings. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a little bit how you can get involved if anybody wishes to. Uh, very cool. So, uh, tell me what the vision for Texian Army is heading out of 2019 and into 2020 and even beyond. <clears throat> very good. So, I'll, I'll put it this way: is uh, the supporter culture, the, the the stadium, the FO, the business office, you know everything's shifting, you know, new executives um, are coming in and making themselves available. It's <sighs> change is happening, you know, um, long before, you know, even before the season started, it's just, it takes a lot of, it takes patience for, for things to roll themselves out. Nothing happens instantaneous. Rome wasn't built in the day, as they say. Um, and so, with, with those changes, like, like I mentioned, you know, changes in ticket structure, uh, changes in now how supporter groups are communicating once a month, you know, uh, changes, like I said, in, in, in hiring of the business office, et cetera, et cetera. We, as a uh, supporter group, you know, certainly need to change to with the times. Um, 
And when I mean change, I'm, I want changes in, uh, like I said earlier, like it, it be more, it definitely open our uh, open more uh, open arms mentality to no, you don't have to be a member to hang out with us. Uh, changes in our uh, how we're more active in the city, uh, involved in the city. Uh, changes in how people can be part of and contribute their ideas. Um, one big thing is under leadership, it's it's a lot of work, a lot of volunteer hours, and you know there's just a, uh, it can create burnout. So I want to take some of that that burnout and have get pe- let people be able to have fun and contribute at the same time. Um, so that, that that's just a sample of changes. Um, but I definitely I'm going to be piecing putting on a piece of paper and rolling out more specifics. Uh, here in the coming weeks, um, and certainly by our end of year events um, that we're still piecing together uh, those details you know, in the coming months. So the end of year event is a uh, also one of those perks as a member is um, coming together and, and celebrate, of course, the end of the season. Um, get more information on, on what to expect in the in the next season, uh, what we're going to do off season, and little details like that. So. Um, but yeah, that's. I hope that answers your question. I feel like it does a pretty good job of that. Uh, so, what is Texan Army really all about? What does it kind of come down to for you guys? That's a good question. Uh, when I came in and got involved about six six or so years ago, just as a casual member around the periphery. Um, Texan Army was definitely still very much a, uh, a shifting community back then in terms of people were growing up, people were leaving, and, and there was a lot of change over what I'm trying to say is that it was different than it was when it was at Roberts. Um, and now they're kind of coming, growing into themselves of what they are at BBVA while all this change is uh, happening that I was describing earlier. Uh, what it, yeah, your question on what it's going to be for the future. Um, that is ever evolving. And, and Sean, I know, like I've talked to you multiple times about that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm ready to to flesh that out. That's I don't want to disclose too much information quite yet. Uh, before it's all you know put on paper. Before I know it's something I can. Uh, know I can commit to and, and encourage the rest of the boards to also commit to um, and even members to commit to. Um, but I definitely want to uh, say that that we need to be changing with those times, you know, in short. Um, I don't want to be the same old, same old uh, for year, as year, in years past. I don't think anybody wants to. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> Be expecting uh, definitely more public uh, announcement in that area. I'll be putting it out there on our on our social media for and what that looks like. So for those fans of the Dynamo that are interested in support in general, what do you think sets Texian Army apart, or what will set Texian Army apart as you move forward um, to to make it sorry to make it something that um, fans will want to be involved with? Oh, so the niche, I think it's real neat is, is Texan Army's niche is, is 
is definitely loves the tailgating culture. They love that atmosphere. You know, this is the United States, and between tailgates and at college, college sporting events, you know, at the NFL, you know, it's just it's a thing. And it takes an army along with many other just smaller, just you know, family-sized tailgates. It's it's a thing. It's a community-building thing. And you know, we've we've found that fit fit into it. I don't think that piece of it will ever change. Um, I definitely I know I want more involvement than just being a stadium. I'm sorry, than just tailgating and then going inside a stadium. There's there's more to it. If you go to uh, look at other cities, other clubs, uh, their supporter groups are very community involved. Um, that needs to be stepped up. You know, I want that to step up. Uh, this is this is Houston. If there's so much diversity here and how they can get involved uh, with, with what's happening in Edo, um, how, to build, how to build those neighborhoods up. You know, I don't know if, if there's some kind of revitalization project that you know, we could get, be part of, but I'm going to be keeping my ears to the ground and ways to get involved that way. Um, but yeah, it's tailgating is definitely how they got, got their niche. Um, I want them to anybody's community minded to reach out to me and I definitely want more involvement um, during the off season. You know, it's, it's difficult to sh- shift a, a, a moving car while in motion. If that's a fair illustration um, during the off season is uh, during the off season is when uh, I believe uh, it, the car will be in park and we can open the hood and uh, I'll be better to answer that question you know, come, come at the right, right before the end of next season. Definitely, that's it needs to come out before then. But I have a better answer to that question um, during the off season after we've tuned up the car, so to speak. Uh, Mark, do you have any other questions you'd like to ask Sam while we have him on? No, I think you know everything that you asked is pretty much on point. Um, I think it's um, fascinating especially with all these new supporter groups coming out that EB and TA are still there. You know, they're kind of like the main staples for, mm-hmm. for the Dynamo franchise. And obviously when you think of supporter groups, you think those two. And, you know, I hope that along with the new supporter groups that are coming up that EB and TA, you know, can just keep growing and growing and help support the Dynamo. Absolutely. Um, I will say be on the lookout on, just to echo your point, is this the Sunday? I know I've been speaking with the uh, leadership of VB, and we're super excited and super proud that uh, we'll be able to walk on the field together um, and uh, present Beasley with uh, a one-of-a-kind scarf um, that has both of our logos on it. You know, the teams that have, you know, both of our groups have been part of the Dynamo um, since the beginning. So I think it's just it's going to be a great un- United um a gesture, so to speak, uh, that we'll be able to offer him. So I'm really excited that that's going to happen on Sunday, the scarving of Beasley uh, with both supporter groups um, that have been with him this, this all, all his career here at the Dynamo. It's going to be great. Yeah, that sounds amazing, actually. And, and you know, I, I hope it, it provides opportunities moving forward uh, for more collaboration between supporters groups and Mm-hmm. And uh, for for kind of uniting the supporters section, maybe not necessarily mm-hmm. uniting the groups, but uniting the section. Uh, I think it's yes. uh, I absolutely. Think, I think it portends great things moving forward. 
Uh, with yes. that, Sam, I, I want to say again, uh, heartfelt thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, I know our listeners always are interested to kind of hear what's going on with the supporters groups, uh, especially here lately. Um, and, uh, and to know that you guys are still pumping out some, some new things and, and are looking ahead towards the future. Um, I, I think that that probably will, uh, give some people, uh, you know, some, some, um, hope, uh, in terms of support in the future and moving forward. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully there's a few people that hear this and that are listening or watching this and they go, man, yeah, that's exactly what I want to sign up for. And, uh, they give you guys a, you know, a, a, a shout. Uh, if people do want to sign up, what, uh, what website do they go to? Uh, TexianArmy.com. Uh, go ahead and join. Um, again, it's, you, if you click the join part, it's just being part of the newsletters and coming to hang out uh, for the benefits. That's a separate piece, but just follow the steps. But TexianArmy.com is where you need to go for more information. Fantastic. Thanks again, Sam. And uh, we hope we'll get to talk to you sometime during the off season and maybe update on some of the initiatives that you're hoping to launch for 2020. I look forward to sharing it. Thanks so much for sharing your time. Thanks, Sam. Bye. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. So, man, that actually sounds pretty great. Uh, you know, I, I, I have been friends with Sam now for the majority of this season and have had a chance to talk with him kind of in depth, heart to heart. Uh, man to man, if you will, uh, and get some real answers out of him as far as texting army, the state of things. Uh, and I can tell you for, without a doubt, for a fact, the guy's heart, the guy's passion is in the group. Um, and he wants to see the group succeed, uh, well beyond his tenure, uh, as president. And, uh, I believe that he's created a foundation this season, even though it seems like the group is dwindling. I think he's created a foundation this season and is working towards creating an even stronger foundation moving forward uh, that will enable the group to expand and grow and, and uh, hopefully become a, a force to be reckoned with as, as time goes on. Um, so, Mark, just a, a few, you know, we got a few minutes left here, just really like one minute left at this point. Uh, <laughs> any, any closing remarks that you have for, for today? Obviously, our biggest discussion, I think, today centered around uh, Diego Alonso and and what that would mean for the dynamo. And, and hopefully that is, that is a, a foretelling a foreshadowing of what may be to come. No, I mean, closing remarks. I mean, just, uh, I think it's great that EB and TA are going to be walking hand to hand to give Beasley that, that scar. Uh, hopefully that's a springboard for something in the future for next season, where all the supporter groups can stand together and support and have the same common goal. And that's the point of the dynamo. And, um, you know, obviously for those who are going out there to the game on Sunday, stay hydrated because it's going to be uh, a fire game and it's going to be really hot out there. So just, you know, stay hydrated, guys. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you remembered that. We were told to mention that and I had forgot. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you are watching or listening or you have listened and watched uh, to the show and, and uh, you've reached the end, first of all, thank you for listening to the whole show. That's amazing. Uh, second of all, this show doesn't exist without you guys. So thank you. Third of all, do us a favor, like the video, the stream, share the video, share the stream, subscribe to the YouTube channel. This is our permanent home for at least the foreseeable future. Uh, and like I said, keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter at Gen Orange Radio. We will be sharing the link to the podcast uh, location where you guys will be able to listen to this uh, moving forward every week and be able to get the notifications in your uh, podcast inbox, as, as it were. Uh, to be able to listen to the show every week, even if you're not able to tune in on, uh, on the YouTube stream. Uh, 
So, guys, thanks again. And uh, remember, guys, stay forever orange. Off the ground.